On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a new rumor suggests that a big change is coming for the Model 3 and Y in the 2023 model year. A new steering wheel with push-button turn signals and no stalks, similar to the new SNX. Plus, a Cybertruck is spotted doing some serious road testing. Tesla has plans to add another battery production facility in Fremont and more. Alongside my canine companion, Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This is episode 370 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for Labor Day weekend here in the U.S. It's September 4th, 2022, and uh, there's so much to get to. Once again this week, I will give you an update on my weird autopilot problem that I talked about last week. I'll do that towards the end of the podcast. And towards the end, I'll also tell you about some other Tesla news in my household as well. But first, I hope all of you ludicrous tier backers and higher on my Patreon got to enjoy this week's lightning round mini episode, which was about my wife's journey to buying a Model 3. Now, she hasn't done it yet, but I think she's getting close. I figured I'd tell you all about the process on this week's lightning round. Now, as a reminder... Anytime anybody joins the Patreon at the ludicrous tier or higher, you'll get access to all of these lightning round mini episodes, as well as the other 70 something bonus mini episodes I'd done prior to starting this new lightning round weekly format. You can find out more on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Let's get right into it this week with the big story, at least in my view, the headline topic this week Huge news for the Model 3 and Model Y, and if it's true, and it appears to be, it will affect everyone who has an order due to be delivered next year for a 3 or a Y, as well as everyone yet to order that plans to order a 3 or a Y, or in fact, at this point, any Tesla in the future. This story was initially reported via Not A Tesla App, a site that says, according to Twitter user Chris Zhang 001 who has ties with the Tesla supply chain in China, the Model 3 and Model Y will be receiving a new steering wheel for the 2023 model year. The new steering wheel will supposedly follow what has already been done with the new Model S, replacing the steering wheel stalks with touch-sensitive buttons on the steering wheel. The upcoming wheel may be the one that's featured in the new Tesla Semi photos. And in the summer of 2021, Elon Musk said that Auto Shift was coming to all Tesla models. So Tesla may have been planning this change for quite a while now. Uh, So thank you to Not A Tesla App. And this rumor has since been corroborated this past week by Drive Tesla Canada. So this is looking more and more likely. Now, I've seen some speculation out there that the 3 and the Y will get the yoke that's currently featured in the S and the X. That part is pure speculation. And I have to say, respectfully, I don't agree with that. Because as much as Tesla is pushing minimalism, whether their customers like it or not, I do think putting yokes in the 3 and the Y is not only a bridge too far right now, especially since the 3 and the Y don't have an instrument cluster display that a full steering wheel would block. Uh, Instead, 
I think that not a Tesla app is quite on the money here by speculating that it will be the same steering wheel going into the Tesla Semi. And the other reason, by the way, uh, is it's just does, I don't think it's that the three and the Y customers are quite willing to make, quite willing to go that far. Deleting stocks is one thing. Uh, going to a yoke might be something else for what is, what are, what not is just supposed to be, what are the mass market cars that Tesla makes. Now, I have to confess, I had not noticed in those new pictures of the Tesla Semi when I talked about its new page on the Tesla site last week. But sure enough, if you take a look on tesla.com slash semi, the steering wheel pictured on the Tesla Semi has no stocks and has push button turn signals. So I think that it's pretty unlikely that Tesla's gonna make a few thousand of these steering wheels for the Tesla Semi and then design something, design and manufacture something entirely new for the Model 3 and the Model Y. I think the simplest answer here is indeed for this new semi steering wheel to be the very same one that will go on to the 2023 and beyond Model 3 and Model Y. Now, if you haven't seen it, you're listening to me in a place where you can't pull up a quick Google search or I should say uh, tesla.com, look right now, I'll tell you that it looks very similar to the current Model 3 and Model Y steering wheel, though instead of the Tesla T logo in the center of the wheel, it's got the full word Tesla spelled out. And it's not, it's not identical other than that, but it is similar in overall sort of look and, and form factor. Now, speaking of economies of scale with this, because that's what I'm talking about with using the steering wheel from the semi, this move would absolutely not be surprising because A, it continues Tesla's ongoing quest for minimalism wherever possible, which as I've said, personally, I am a fan of that minimalism. I've always liked minimalist designs in pretty much anything, any product that I buy, including cars. So that's been a big, I've been a big fan of, of Tesla's minimalism since they really got that started with the Model S. And then B, deleting two parts out of the car can save the company a ton of money in its other ongoing quest, which as you all know, is to simplify manufacturing wherever and however it can. Let's just say for argument's sake, because I have no idea, but let's just say that each stock costs Tesla a dollar. That's $2 per car. When you do 2 million cars in a year, which Tesla will do next year, that's 4 million bucks right there, just right off the top. And you know, the S and the X, you might think, well, what about those? I mean, those are low volume enough that I think they don't really move the needle on that, but the three and the Y also being stockless, which remember the three and the Y represent about 96% of Tesla's overall vehicle sales. Those cars definitely would move the needle. The one change I'm sure they'll make if this is true, which again, I think it is, I'm leaning, the, the evidence, the, the sources suggest it is right now, but still I'm being cautious just because we don't, we don't know for sure yet. But anyway, the one change from the Model S and the Model X that Tesla needs to do, not just should do, but I think they will and they absolutely need to do if they do this on the three and the Y, 
is to have that center pad of the steering wheel double as the horn button, which is the way it is now in your Model 3 and Model Y. The newer builds of the new S and the X supposedly have the ability to do this on their yoke, but and that's straight from Elon via a tweet of his some months ago now. But so far, there's been no software update to enable it. So that, I imagine, is going to come along at some point for the newer build of the new S and X. And it's got to be there from the jump on the 3 and the Y. Overall, I will say I think this rumor makes, it just makes perfect sense. There's nothing about this that I doubt. There's nothing that's really even shocking. And in fact, not a Tesla app even linked back to that old Elon tweet about it. This fits right in with Tesla's MO. I mean, it's really just a matter of whether or not it's going to be a wheel or it's going to be a yoke. And again, I firmly, I'm firmly in the camp that it's going to be a wheel, that same one that's going in the Tesla Semi. But it's, it's something that Tesla's been trending towards and preparing us for by rolling this out in the S and the X. And, it's, and again, Elon's tweeted about this coming to the rest of the fleet in, in a sort of roundabout way. So the 2023 model year cars, if you uh, don't recall, they start getting built if past history proves accurate. The 2023 model year cars start being built in November. So we should find out then if this is true, unless we get some sort of other confirmation sooner than that. Now, what did you guys think of this? Naturally, this was the topic I put out there in this week's Patreon poll, which again is found on my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. You don't need to be a patron to vote in the Patreon poll each week, although full, full transparency, you do need a Patreon account. You just don't have to be backing me necessarily. But here are the results. Uh, I put it out there. Are you excited about stocks being deleted in the Model 3 and the Model Y? Let's, I said, let's boil it down. Are you excited about this change? Should it, in fact, happen? Whatever your reason, either way, vote. And no took the vote. No, not excited about it. 47% out of 171 votes cast as of this recording. Yes, with a third of the vote at, at exactly 33%. And not sure yet coming in with 20%. So uh, the no's outweighing it certainly right now, but some interesting comments in here. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good comments. Chris Beach saying, I think I would need to drive the S and see how that drives without the stocks. Tesla has a way with introducing something outrageous in theory and then ends up being a great advancement in car technology. And then we have Lorenzo Ciani saying, I'm excited Removing the stocks goes in the direction of Tesla's goal of autonomous cars. Next step, removing the wheel. I love that Tesla is making happen my childhood dreams of a sci-fi future. Gil Cabrera says, we got very used to it with my wife's Model S. Eduardo Ortega, having been a Model Y owner for almost a year, I'm not sure how I'd feel about the removal. I think I'd have to try it first. Uh, the Tesla owners of, Sil of San Joaquin Valley, people don't like change. These same people, I'm sure, wanted a HUD as well. LOL, they'll get used to it. Uh, Lewis Vaughn, I'll give you one more. I tend to trust the Tesla designers in these things. I would get used to it, I'm, I'm quite sure. But barring some major incident, yeah, it's, uh, it won't affect me. So 
It's the, in the comments war across the board. I mean, Morty C 1973. Uh, I'm not excited since I'm not in the market for a new Tesla, but call me curious as to how Tesla retains uh, and recodes functionality that requires stocks. So appreciate everybody's comments on that. Now, for me, in my household, if my wife ends up getting a standard Model 3 early next year, which is, uh, again, we're already planning to wait until the first of the year, both for tax credit reasons, as I have talked about a couple times, just in case Tesla is able to work some magic to get that base 3 to qualify for the new credit, but also uh, because I know from years past that even though Tesla makes changes throughout a year, there are still notable changes that would come through with a new model year. And this would certainly be one of those changes. So if this rumor is true, as it appears to be, and my wife does end up getting a Model 3, this is one of a couple things that I will be really jealous of in her car versus my four-year-old car. If you're curious, the other one would be that power rear liftgate that comes factory installed in the newer Model 3s. Again, I talked more about my wife's uh, quest in the lightning round episode this week. Check that out if you're interested. Our next story this week, the whole Mars catalog, as usual, staying busy in the world of Tesla. Well, they spotted a test cyber truck being unloaded from a carrier loaded with camera sensor and what appears to just be general imaging equipment strapped to the body all over the thing. Now, if you've seen this picture, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say this prototype is clearly an engineering mule that's been beat up a lot. It's been through a lot, as engineering mules tend to be. It's probably been taken apart and put back together more times than, than any of them can count. Now, I'm no engineer, as you all well know, but I have seen the early release candidate Model 3s up close. I used to have a neighbor a few blocks over uh, that I would, I would see the cars on, on dog walks. And that neighbor, uh, back in the Model 3, the early 2017 time frame when the Model 3 was uh, you know ramping up and hadn't actually come out yet, this neighbor must have been an engineer because parked in about the same spot on the street a lot of the time would be a release candidate Model 3. It had manufacturer license plates, and it had stickers on it indicating its number, which which one of the release candidates it was, you know, like 35 or something would be on the glass. Now, this particular Cybertruck that the Holmars catalog photographed reminds me very much of those release candidate Model 3s. And this Cybertruck was filthy, but not with mud, which we've seen the, the Cybertruck prototypes purposely run around to get muddy at the Giga Texas, uh, you know, factory construction site, but covered in dust. <laughs> like it's, like it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, not been washed. I mean, the wheel covers were off on this engineering mule. It has, as I said, imaging equipment strapped to the hood, to the front fenders. If I guess the Cybertruck doesn't really have fenders in the traditional sense, but you know what I mean. And it also has wires taped, like running along the side of the truck, taped to the sides of it all up and down along its sides, which hilariously reminds me of the DeLorean time machine from Back to the Future, the last time a, uh, a heavily photographed stainless steel vehicle showed up, showed up in pop culture. 
So I thought that was a that was just that just made me laugh. Now, when I think more about this, I, I mean, I realize I don't ever remember seeing a Model Three or Y on the road in this condition. Uh, meaning, again, on the road, which this this Cybertruck was. Um, meaning with all kinds of imaging equi- equipment and wires all over the place. I'm not saying that this level of testing didn't happen with those cars. I'm sure it did. Uh, but it's definitely true that there has been, for various reasons, a much longer period of time between the prototype unveiling and the start of production on the Cybertruck as than there was for the 3 or the Y. In other words... Tesla's had a lot more time to test the Cybertruck than, well, any of their other vehicles, really. I mean, we know that Elon is hyper-focused on the Cybertruck. He's already said he thinks it's the company's magnum opus and it's the best thing they've ever done. So to that end, I, I will just sum up by saying it's great to see all of this testing especially when it gets photographed publicly, like in this case. And I'm not saying that because I'm like rooting for leaks. I'm, you know, I'm not, not trying to, you know, crack the code on, on Tesla's inner workings, but, uh, or, or anything that Tesla doesn't want us to see. But what I mean is that when we do get to see these test mules out there doing work, to me, it inspires confidence, just more confidence that this truck is being rigorously tested and that the final product is going to be really, really amazing right from day one with hopefully fewer of the early production build issues that have tended to pop up on the other four Teslas. Really, all five, the, the original Roadster, too, the five Teslas. At least that that's how I feel about it. I think it just it's good to see this stuff inspires confidence that right from day one, the first Cybertrucks off the line are going to be extra awesome. On a related note, before I move on to the next topic, I have to ask myself, are we going to see Roadster mules out there next year with all kinds of gear strapped to them? I would venture a guess as to say probably not, right? And the reason I say that is because supercars are kind of a different animal. Uh, than really anything else. Because if you think about it, it's not like you ever see pre-production Ferraris or Lamborghinis or McLarens out running around prior to their launch, held together by duct tape and a prayer while the engineering team tests things out. You never see that. So clearly with cars like that, like the Roadster, seemingly all that testing must happen indoors and or in secret, probably at closed tracks. In fact, I would guess that if you want to see the Roadster in action ahead of its launch sometime in the next 18 to 24 months, I hope, I would think that closed tracks like Laguna Seca, which is in Tesla's backyard, are probably a good bet, right? And maybe even, dare I say, the salt flats. Because where the heck else is Tesla going to go in order to safely and relatively secretly test the full acceleration and top speed capabilities of the Roadster with the SpaceX package that, remember from the placard that was on as part of the Roadster prototype display at the Peterson Auto Museum last year, 
It specifically said Tesla supplied that information. The Peterson didn't make it up. It said zero to 60 in 1.1 seconds with the SpaceX package. And as we know from the original announcement, the top speed, they're going to have to test that at some point. The top speed's supposed to be 250 miles per hour plus. So Tesla not committing to a final top speed, but uh, yeah, Salt Flats and Laguna Seca. Those, that's what, it, those of you that, that uh, the awesome people that go out and fly drones and get us all these cool updates at the Gigafactories, send the drones to those places to, to try and find the Roadster in the next year or so. All right, let's move on to the next story. Tesla is looking to add a new battery production line right upstairs at the Fremont factory. Saw this story reported on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, according to a building permit application filed with the city of Fremont on August 26th, Tesla wants to install the new line on the second floor of the main assembly building. The description of the permit, which they list the full permit name of, F21 oath, blah, 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 says this application is specific to the module portion of the line and values the proposed project at a million and a half dollars. This isn't the only permit related to a battery manufacturing line being added at Fremont. A separate $1.3 million application was also filed with the city to build a new maintenance office, storage area, production cells with equipment for hood, fender, and trunk lids, and offline cell manufacturing equipment on the first floor of the main assembly building as reported by Tesla Roddy. So I am going to assume, I know normally I would say, you know what assuming does, the old saying, right? But I'm going to safely assume that this is for 4680 battery cells. I know I'm a trained journalist, hardwired to deal in facts over the last 20 years, but I think this is a reasonable assumption that it's going to be 4680 battery cells. If you're with me on that assumption, then this begs the question, what will become of the Cato Road pilot facility that's less than a mile down the road from the Fremont factory that's been making 4680 battery cells? I mean, it certainly makes sense for the vertically integrated manufacturing efficiency-minded Tesla to want to put battery manufacturing under the same roof as vehicle production, right? So, Will Cato Road just keep making cells for whatever? I mean, maybe Cato Road is going to turn into the, I'll use the term laboratory, where the high-grade top-end batteries and battery chemistry gets made for probably the Tesla Semi and the new Roadster, while all of the other battery manufacturing facilities, this new one at Fremont, the one in Texas, the one that's underway in Berlin not to mention uh, Giga Nevada, whenever they start up with 4680, as far as we know, they're still just making 2170 cells and 18650 cells for the S and the X over there. But it seems inevitable that 4680s will, will happen. I mean, it's been announced, Tesla talked about that at Battery Day, that it takes up a much smaller footprint in the building, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, uh, so you'll, you'll have everybody making 4680 cells for the why, that's I think you know maybe there's a chance that that Cato Road as kind of this little offshoot of Fremont of the Fremont factory maybe uh, makes the special sauce for the specialty vehicles. I mean, uh, 
Maybe even there's a plan now to move the Model 3 over to the 4680 battery cells and the structural pack. That's a possibility as well. Regardless though, the bottom line here is that more 4680 battery cell production is a good thing. And don't forget, Panasonic is spinning up their 4680 cell production for Tesla next year as well. So it is about to start raining 4680 battery cells onto Tesla, uh, mostly made by Tesla, but with Panasonic helping them out. So that is gonna be a good thing for Tesla's ever increasing production goals. Next this week, I turn the mood from fun and festive to a little sour. The California state legislature passed a bill that would make it illegal for Tesla to label its software full self-driving. Saw this story on Tesla Roddy who writes, the bill was inspired by the California DMV claim that Tesla's FSD is quote, false advertising. The DMV would revoke Tesla's license to make and sell EVs in the state if it got its way and said that Tesla would be quote, required to advertise to consumers and better educate Tesla drivers about the capabilities of its quote, autopilot and quote, full self-driving features, including cautionary warnings regarding the limitations of the features and for other actions as appropriate given the violations, end quote. Here comes the sigh-inducing part. The bill was sponsored by Senate Transportation Committee Chair Lena Gonzalez and passed by the Senate. The next step is for Governor Gavin Newsom to either sign it into law or veto it. As of my recording, neither of those had happened yet. Gonzalez said that Tesla's false advertising of its technology is a safety issue and told the LA Times, no doubt told Russ Mitchell, as longtime uh, Tesla hater in, in mainstream media, I've talked about on the show before. Anyway, Gonzalez said that Tesla's false advertising of its technology is a safety issue and told the LA Times that she and her fellow legislators were puzzled at the DMV's slow response to Tesla's claims. Gonzalez said, quote, are we just going to wait for another person to be killed in California? So if your spidey sense tickled inside your brain as you listen to that, granted my tone of voice probably, probably helped you out a bit there as well, your spidey sense probably tickled at the name Lena Gonzalez. She is the very same Lena Gonzalez who famously tweeted F Elon Musk, except she used the entire word, during Tesla's fight to reopen the Fremont factory back during the early days of COVID in April of 2020. Now, as I said at the time back then, you know, two plus years ago, and I, I promise you this is an apolitical statement, I prefer to keep politics out of this podcast, I thought it was just highly unbecoming of an elected official to make a public statement like that. And I'm referring to her F Elon Musk tweet from two years ago. Uh, so it's just clear that she's got a bone to pick with him. And that, and, and really what, what I think is, it's not just conduct unbecoming, but it's, it's beyond that because in, again, this is, I'm speaking personally here. Uh, it's issuing a statement like that about, as you're an elected official, issuing a statement like that about not just a citizen, 
but one of her own constituents, because remember, Elon lived in California at the time that this happened and packed up for Texas not too long after that. I mean, not to mention that according to Elon, back in January, it's notable to add here that there haven't been any accidents or injuries involving the FSD beta. Now, I will acknowledge perhaps that has changed in the past seven months as the beta has rolled out to many, many more people, but I am currently, as of, as of this recording, not aware of any instances, if so. Uh, so yeah, it just it, kind of a messy situation here. Now, furthermore, I'll say this. I'm no lawyer or lawmaker, but I'm not sure she has a leg to stand on. I'm going to copy and paste exactly what's on the Tesla Design Studio when you go to configure any new Tesla. When you scroll down far enough and get to the autopilot section of the Design Studio, you see in big block letters, full self-driving capability, which for the moment has a big $12,000 price tag next to it, which is about to go up, but... Anyway, that's beside the point on this. It says, all functionality of basic autopilot and enhanced autopilot, traffic light and stop sign control, coming soon, auto steer on city streets. And then, the currently enabled features require active driver supervision and do not make the vehicle autonomous. The activation and use of these features are dependent on achieving reliability far in excess of human drivers as demonstrated by billions of miles of experience, as well as regulatory approval, which may take longer in some jurisdictions. As these self-driving features evolve, your car will be continuously upgraded through over-the-air software updates. So the FSD capability is in pretty big letters there, and the language on Tesla's own site is pretty clear. And obviously, Tesla ran all of that through their own legal team before ever posting any of that on their website. Is it true that no one says the capability part and we all just happen to refer to it as FSD? Yeah, I'm one of those people. I just, I don't say capability when I'm talking about it. But that's not Tesla's fault. And they, again, I'm no lawyer, they probably shouldn't and can't be held liable for how people refer to it in shorthand. So the fact that the FSD beta is out there and getting a ton of publicity and attention admittedly only further muddies the waters on this, but again, it doesn't make Tesla guilty of anything in my view, especially, I mean, the, the whole, the statement that really is is pretty unfair, I think, out of all that, is the her insinuation that people have already died. The, are we just going to wait for another person to be killed? Like, come on, come on. That's, that's not above board. Let's, uh, but again, this person clearly has, uh, shall we say, a biased opinion. Her, 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 uh, her bias is clear in this case, and we'll see what happens with, uh, with Governor Newsom on this. Staying in this neighborhood of unfortunate news stories this week, and sadly, this is the last story I have for you, but 
the fun will come back because we're gonna we're gonna do ride the lightning hotline, take your phone calls in a bit. Plus, I have a fun story to tell you later after that as well. But for this final news story of the week, Tesla is suing dealers, the Dealers Association, and state officials in Louisiana in order to try and win the right to sell its cars directly to consumers. One more tip of the cap to drive Tesla Canada who writes, Tesla has filed a lawsuit in Louisiana that if successful, would finally allow it to sell its electric vehicles directly to consumers in the state. Tesla says the current laws restrict its ability to do so and violate its constitutional rights. According to the lawsuit, the defendants corroborated to bring the existing laws and regulations into place in 2017. The defendants in this case being the auto dealers, the dealers association and state officials. Those laws and regulations prohibit a vehicle manufacturer from selling their cars directly to consumers, instead requiring a local in-state dealer to do so. Quote, Louisiana consumers' freedom is being unduly restricted by protectionist, anti-competitive, and inefficient state regulation and laws, the lawsuit reads via the Wall Street Journal. Along with prohibiting direct sales, Tesla also argues in their lawsuit that the defendants have attempted to prevent it from leasing its vehicles and operating repair shops in the state. Tesla says there are over 3,000 owners registered in Louisiana adversely affected by this. (sighs) And so here we go again. Another battle in Tesla's bureaucratic war against the establishment. Now, the laws in these various states are, in many cases archaic remnants of a time long past where the laws were actually enacted in good faith many decades ago with good reason in the first place. But today, these laws have, in fact, the opposite effect, being, in fact, anti-consumer now. In the case of Louisiana, though, as you just heard, it sounds like that dealer establishment convinced the state government to protect its archaic way of business very recently. No doubt as they saw the writing on the wall with Tesla growing in popularity and just starting to break into mass production in 2017, which was when this law was passed. But whether old or new, these statutes simply, and I think you'll all agree, are not fair to consumers. They're fair to dealer associations, but that's not okay. They're not fair to consumers. It is not free market. And that's why I remain confident that sooner or later they will be struck down in Louisiana and in every state and that Tesla and by extension consumers will win out on this. Now, as always with these situations, if you're a Louisiana resident and you would like to make your voice heard, I encourage you to Google the best way to contact your elected state representatives and then call, email, and or write letters to them to respectfully, that's the key word here, respectfully let them know where you, a constituent they have been elected to serve the best interests of, where you stand on this issue. All right. There is more Ride the Lightning to come, but that is the end of the news block this week. Stick with me. Lots more fun to come right after this.
All September long, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by AccelerateAuto.com and their X-Care extended warranties for EVs. As many of you know, especially those of you who, like me, are coming out of factory warranty on your Model 3, Tesla no longer offers an extended warranty option themselves on any of their four cars. Enter Accelerate, a company started by a bunch of people who worked at Tesla back in the early Model S days, and in fact, helped launch Tesla's original leasing program in the early S days. These guys are also longtime Tesla owners themselves, and so X-Care is built specifically for electric vehicles, and it offers coverage for up to 10 years and up to 175,000 miles with a $100 deductible. By design, it mirrors Tesla's own, now discontinued, extended service agreement coverage. So it covers everything minus consumables, things like, uh, and also things like cosmetic damage, rattles, and brakes and tires, the 12 volt battery, as well as the high voltage battery and drive unit, though they're working on a plan that'll cover that. Xcare has now helped pay for hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of service and typically sees things like MCU replacements, onboard computer systems for Model 3 and Y, door handles for the Model S, AC and HVAC issues, air suspension, and more. They also facilitate leasing for customers, businesses, and public entities that are looking for more creative leasing solutions than a cookie cutter approach. In fact, unlike Tesla's leases, Accelerate allows you to buy the car at the end of the term, if you so choose. Learn more and find the right extended warranty plan for you and your Tesla at accelerateauto.com slash xcare, that's X-C-E-L-E. E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E and use the discount code lightning for $100 off of your purchase. Make sure you spell lightning correctly, L-I-G-H-T-N-I-N-G. I've now got a plan myself, in fact, so check them out. All right, time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your questions, comments, and discussion topics. If you want to call in and potentially be featured on the podcast, I welcome and invite you to do so. There are two ways to do it. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software to record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. It's a toll-free number. You can call anytime. That number is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. We'll kick it off with Miranda from Rhode Island. Hi, this is Miranda from Rhode Island, longtime listener, Model 3 owner. Um, I just had a comment in regards to the uh, enhanced autopilot slash um, uh, autonomous driving. Um, I just, I think I and a lot of people, what they take issue is with is that Elon Musk seems to kind of want it both ways where the... Um, Full self-driving is not transferable between cars. You know, it doesn't. It's not attached to the owner. So if I upgrade it or 
you know, got another new car, wouldn't, and I traded in my old Model 3, the enhanced autopilot would stay attached to the Model 3 that I currently own. However, it also seems like they're taking it off of cars that um, it had been purchased with, especially for third-party um, sales. And so if my car has an anti-autopilot or full self-driving, and then I sell it to a third party, and then another person buys it, I hear in, in many cases they're removing the software and making the new owner re repurchase it. And that just doesn't seem right for... Tesla to kind of double dip in that way. It either needs to stick with the car and stay, and the software stays with the car, and it helps with the retail value, or it it follows the person, and then I could see why they argue going with a subscription maybe plan to kind of help with the re re renewable revenue. Um, and I think that's just a big turnoff for a lot of people, especially since full self driving is not really real for most people who have it, especially if you have an old Model S or Model S. You know, you didn't really ever get full self-driving. So that's my opinion. Thanks. <laughs> have a good day. Miranda, thank you very much for your call. I think you speak for many Tesla owners with regard to your frustration at this topic. You're right about Tesla trying to have it both ways. They will remove it on a car traded in to them. But to the best of my knowledge, they don't remove it if you sell to a third party. Now, I'm not 100% on that, but that is my understanding. If they did, that would seem uh, borderline illegal, maybe, <laughs> to do it that way. But, I mean, if I buy your Model 3 from you, I should get everything with that car in a private party sale. So what's amazing to me, and you hinted at this in your call, is that Tesla could make all of the justifiable consternation over this go away if they would just attach the autopilot software packages to the owner, the account, rather than the car, even if there's a modest transfer fee to move it to a different Tesla. The frustration on this issue, I feel, would all but disappear and owner loyalty would improve on the back of that. So I hope Tesla comes around on this someday Thank you again, Miranda, for calling in. Next up is on the same topic, in fact, of autopilot and enhanced autopilot. Here's David from San Francisco. Hi, Ryan. This is Dave House from San Francisco. Um, actually, David J. House on my uh, uh, Patreon page. But um, I have a quick question. Uh, you may be able to answer it. I see on my app I can uh, add enhanced autopilot to my current Model X. I'm just wondering, will that transfer if I sell the car? I can't get a straight answer from Tesla, and I know that self-driving does not transfer, but uh, I'm not sure about the enhanced autopilot. Hope you have an answer for that. Love your podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Dave, always great to hear from you. And uh, thank you for your other call, by the way, with regard to Daisy. I appreciated that. To answer your question, again, like this, talked about this just a call or ago, if you sell it to a third party, meaning anyone but Tesla, it should transfer. And so should FSD, by the way. So again, as far as I know, it will only be wiped away if you trade in the car to Tesla, although we do have confirmation that you will get some trade-in value when you trade in the car uh, with EAP or FSD 
to Tesla as well. If it's a private party sale, again, I'm pretty sure any software packages that you have on the car should go with the car. Thanks so much. Next up, Kirk from Hawaii. Hey, Ryan. This is Kirk from Eva Beach, Hawaii. Longtime listener since the Elon Musk interview. Anyway, um, I have a Unicorn 2018 Model 3 mid-range, and I'm calling about your Red Wheel of Death incident. From my experience and research, the cause is the FSD computer crashing. It's happened to me a bunch of times over the past year with FSD. Unfortunately, Tesla will most likely tell you it's a software issue, and you just got to wait for the next update. I do hope you get a new computer, though, just in case, but would hate for you to lose FSD beta access. Anyway, the good news is that it's usually very sporadic and hasn't happened to me in a while. I do think it's a software issue and hopefully becomes less of an occurrence with the next few FSD releases. My friend has the exact same car and he's experienced these as well. Anyway, I have a pro tip for you for the Bode. If this ever happens early on in a long trip, you can pull your car over and do an FSD computer reboot. This will fix the issue immediately and let you continue on your way. The scroll wheel with brake holding down, that only reboots the MCU. So here's what you need to do, a little daunting sounding at first, but can easily be done in about a minute. First, turn off the music and HVAC system. Leave the rear right side passenger door open. Open your frunk, uh, pull off the plastic piece, disconnect the negative lead on the 12 volt battery. I keep a small wrench in my trunk just for this purpose. Next, go to the rear passenger seat, slide the two levers under the seat to lift it up. You'll see a gray styrofoam little piece on the right side. Pull that up and flip the high voltage disconnect. There's gonna be a thunk sound. You wait the obligatory 10 seconds, re-engage the high voltage switch and reverse the procedure. This is the only way to do a full reboot on a Model 3 and probably the Y. This was confirmed by a Tesla service technician in Hawaii. Um, This also will most likely solve any other weird random issues people may be experiencing with their software. Anyway, hope this helps somebody out. Take care. Aloha. Kirk, thank you very much for this very detailed step-by-step constructive bit of assistance. I've been hearing from a number of folks on this issue, which I do really, really appreciate, by the way. I just love how this community is always so willing to help each other out. That's part of what makes it really fun for me, which is what this whole shared experience of ours with Tesla should should be all about, right? But anyway, uh, it seems like it is a software issue. Uh, I really don't want to go through the hassle of a second full self-driving computer replacement, even if Tesla were to have the humanity to do so under a goodwill Uh, warranty policy. And in fact, I will give everybody, including you, an update on where I landed with that. So I did make a service appointment. As I said last week, Uh, I received a a request for the uh, screenshots of the the error codes that I'd taken a look at so they could zero in on exactly where to look in the logs on my car. And they came back and said, After reviewing the vehicle data, we have determined that no hardware replacement is needed as the cause of the concern is due to a software characteristic. The engineering team is aware and is working on a permanent fix. The fix will be released on a future software update. Current workaround is exiting and re-entering the vehicle will restore uh, driver assist features. As the concern is software related and the fix will be implemented on a future software release, we would like to close out this visit with your permission. So that is uh, where that ended up. And again, I'm I'm actually relieved at that outcome. Uh, Kirk, for your 
policy, it, it definitely sounds like it would work. That is like the hard reboot, the like unplug the the modem from the wall kind of and wait wait a little while version of it. And I know that what you're saying is not as scary as it sounds, but if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't think I would have the stomach for it. But good for you to put it out there uh, with the caveat that again, you know, you do so at your own risk, but thank you very much for that constructive solution to this evidently software problem that will hopefully be patched out sooner rather than later. Next, let's hear from Brad in Minnesota. Hey Ryan, Brad from Minnesota calling. Two things real quick. Number one, my Model 3 is in the service center getting some battery work done. I have to wait a couple weeks for the parts, so in the meantime, they gave me a later model, Model S to drive, which is great. So for a couple of weeks, I'm experiencing this Model S, and that's not the purpose of my call, but it's really fun. Anyway, one thing I noticed is the autopilot in this Model S seems to be worse than my Model 3. I don't get it. I thought the computers, cameras, everything was the same. Like I said, it's a it's a later model. Not the latest Model S, but, the, but a later model, dual motor, standard range. Anyway, autopilot is just different, and that's weird to me. Number two, my podcasts won't update in this car either. In other words, I listen to a few podcasts that have daily episodes. Yours has a weekly. Yours usually uh, refreshes, but sometimes it doesn't in my car. But the daily episodes, I'll get in my car, go to work, and oftentimes it won't refresh to today's episode. It'll show me yesterday's, which is so annoying. I thought that was unique to my car or my Wi-Fi connection at home when I leave my house and it has to sync up to the LTE or whatever. But it's not it's the same in my uh, in this loaner car, too. And that means a lot of other people experience this as well. I wish there was a refresh button or something to update podcasts, but really weird and really annoying. So those two things I think other people are experiencing as well. Just wanted to get your thoughts on those. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Brad, great to hear from you. And I confess that you've stumped me on both of those. Neither of them make any sense. Maybe the cameras need to be calibrated on that S to firm up the autopilot. I don't know. Or maybe that car has a hardware 2.5 computer still in it versus a hardware 3 computer in it. And as for the podcast thing, that's really bizarre. It sounds like the car is a Raven, which is what came right before the Palladium versions that we have now. It should have MCU2 in it, the same as your Model 3. Uh, I'll throw this out there to the listeners. If anybody has any good explanations for either of these or could otherwise shed some light on either situation, I would love to get educated on this as much as I'm sure Brad would. So... Uh, I hope, regardless, Brad, that you get your Model 3 back soon. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, Let me do two more calls this week, starting with Corey from Westchester, New York, talking tires. Hey, Ryan, I hope you and Daisy are doing well. Glad to hear she's made such a great recovery. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things. First is someone brought up tires in uh, a couple episodes back, and I just want to say I've got a Model 3 dual motor from 2018. Uh, I actually got it in in July, just around when you got your car. And uh, I've been through two sets of the Michelin MXM4s at about 20,000 miles each. Not that I have a heavy foot, but it's a heavy car and they wore out pretty quickly. So I looked at other tires and I actually found 
the Michelin Cross Climate Twos. Now, I live in the Northeast, so for people that are looking for a tire that gives you a good balance of performance and all weather, and they're actually snow rated, which is pretty awesome. Um, I've been very happy with their wet performance. Uh, they were great in the snow. They're not wearing down. They have a great tread wear, better tread wear than MXM4. I think it's like 640, 600, 640. I don't remember exactly what, uh, but they're really great tires. I've been very happy with them. And the noise, maybe it's because my MXM4s got loud towards the end, but they sound quieter. Um, so I'm kind of happy with that. Uh, the other thing I want to let people know about was um, the Rim Blades Rim Savers. Now, a lot of people get curb rash on their tires, whether it's the Model 3 or the Model Y. We have a Model Y on order, and we're going to get the Uber Turbine wheels, and I've already got the Rim Savers on order. Those things save your wheels. So uh, just a couple of tips that I hope will help everybody else out there. Take care. Corey, I very much appreciate that detailed call about your tire experience with the Michelin Cross Climate 2s. You didn't say it, but to be clear to everyone listening, you were referring to tires for the 18-inch wheels on that, which, of course, a lot of people listening to this have. So it sounds like the Cross Climate 2 is a great all-around tire, and I'm happy to pass along the recommendation to the audience. So thank you. And I am glad to hear that you've had a good experience with the rim savers as well. Our last caller this week is going to be Robert from Wichita Falls, Texas. Also uh, responding to my autopilot issue, but with something else thrown in as well. Hey, Ryan. Robert here from what was North Pole, Alaska. I just finished the move to Wichita Falls, Texas, and uh, second time calling in. And I'm calling in regards to the autopilot issue you mentioned uh, with your car freaking out and everything. I wouldn't be too worried about it. I'm pretty sure it's just a bug within FSD 10.12, something that I've been dealing with ever since I personally have got this issue. And it seems to happen uh in longer drives like i said i was in in alaska um and ever since i got this update a lot of the drives the long drives i make it would happen um and i just drove down from alaska all the way to south carolina uh and back to texas and it would happen almost every uh, step in between a supercharger and it would be more common on long stints where the fsd uh neural network was operating and not the the navigate on autopilot but it did happen there a few times too and i'm pretty sure it's a common bug uh, i've seen it on twitter i believe Holmars uh had reported it himself a few times and some other people have uh, reported it to tesla and it just pretty sure it's just a bug within this version that uh, seems to happen during longer stints of the drive uh, but yeah keep us updated just in case tesla does find anything else out and i do have another uh, thing I want to bring up uh, a feature that I'd like to ask since a caller just called in about adding a automatic automated uh, HOB lane guidance. Uh, if we're going to update the guidance software, I would like to add just an option to avoid interstates or highways. Something I've seen in my old GPSs like Garmin's and stuff, and I use all the time because sometimes you just don't want to drive the interstate you want to enjoy the back roads and the tesla navigation doesn't have that option so i'd just like them to add an option to allow us to 
avoid the interstates or highways if at all possible. All right. Enjoy the podcast. Keep it up. Robert, thank you very much for calling in. I talked about the uh, software issue, as the service center has deemed it a little uh, just a few minutes ago there. But I wanted to just comment on your feature idea to say, I like it. I mean, you're right that this already exists in other uh, systems, pardon me, and people have good reason to want to do so. So I would like to see Tesla implement that one. Good suggestion. And we're putting it out there into the wild for uh, for hopefully Tesla ears to pick up on. Thanks, Robert. Thanks to everybody who t- kindly took the time to call in. I promise I will get to more Ride the Lightning Hotline calls next week. Keep your calls coming. I gave you the dial-in information at the top of the segment, but I am not done yet. I've got something fun to tell you about here in just a couple minutes, so stay tuned for that, plus your pro tip of the week and more. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. My fun, personal Tesla news that I teased at the top of the show is this. I placed a reservation for a Cybertruck putting me approximately, I don't know, two millionth in line, something like that. But here's what happened. So my wife, as I uh, told you just even earlier in this podcast, is currently car shopping, currently kind of zeroing in on a Model 3. And so she's been just looking at a lot of that stuff and and hearing more about everything. Mm And uh, a friend of mine was over and somehow the, the topic of two-way charging came up, bi-directional charging, vehicle-to-grid charging that the Ford F-150 Lightning can do, along with a handful of other EVs as of now, but that Teslas currently don't do. And my wife, who is very, um, how do I phrase this, kind of future-minded, she's always thinking about uh, retirement funds and planning for the future and well, what if, uh, you know, what if something goes wrong with sort of, uh, I guess, global warming, for lack of a better word? Like, do we need to plan like a climate escape somewhere else? And so she really just latched on to this vehicle to grid idea with electric vehicles and is is really into the idea. And she's like, well, wait, Tesla doesn't do this? And I said, no, it's. And Elon has been confronted with it before, and they've said, and Elon and I think and Drew on a earnings call said no, and seemingly because they want to sell power walls, although I don't think they're necessarily the same product with the same, you know, you're not going to necessarily replace a power wall with your vehicle, your Tesla vehicle. It would be more of an you know emergency situation. But nevertheless, she really latched onto this idea. And she's zeroing in on a new car, and it's looking like hopefully it's going to be the Model 3. And so I thought, you know what? After all this vehicle-to-grid talk and the fact that Elon has consistently been saying the Cybertruck's going to be their magnum opus, the best thing they've ever done. We know there are new features that have been added into it since the original Alpha prototype in November of 2019. Uh, it has a an instrument cluster screen now. We know that. There, so there's there's more on this thing than we currently know about. And I am hoping that the competition pushes, or, or whatever the reason, but I'm hoping that 
the Cybertruck will have vehicle-to-grid capabilities. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not going to tell her right away. I, I told her like an hour later, but I'm just going to put down the $100 refundable reservation for the Cybertruck. Most likely, I'll ne never end up using it, and I'll just get the $100 back later. But I'm just going to do it. I'm going to put it in there because let's, let's say, number one, she really goes down the EV rabbit hole after she gets her next car, whether it's a Model 3 or whatever she chooses. So there's that possibility. And so if that happens, or and or if she stays latched onto this, the vehicle to grid thing, and the Cybertruck ends up capable of doing it, she already knows my history with the DeLorean and how I'm, you know, kind of casually interested in the Cybertruck, even though I've never owned or, in fact, have never even driven a truck. But I would still, the idea of the Cybertruck still appeals to me because I loved owning a stainless steel car, and it would be cool to have been able to own both stainless steel cars that ever got made. So I thought, all right, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put the $100 in. Odds are I'll never use it, but if we decide, if our number gets called in, you know, probably three years from now, maybe even four, then, and and maybe, you know, life circumstances change if we're living somewhere else and this it's, you know, we're not in super tight streets and of San Francisco, maybe, you know, maybe life will allow a Cybertruck. And if it did, I would just trade in the Model 3 and I would swap for, I, I would not need to have both of those. But, uh, I thought, okay, so I'm just going to put the reservation down. And and I have to say, when I told her about it, uh, I, I was I, I introduced it by saying, you know, the vehicle to grid thing and how you were you seem really into that. And she's like, yeah. And so I said, I forget exactly what I said. Something like, well, I decided to just get in line just in case. And I showed her the phone uh, with the with the email, the re the reservation confirmation email. And to my surprise. She did not bat an eye. I thought she would laugh or like laugh at me. Instead, she like laughed with me. She did find it amusing, but not in like a you're ridiculous. Why did you do that? We're never going to do it. Why did you put down $100? She just was kind of she like she was into it. Not like we should definitely get this kind of into it, but she kind of rolled with it. So that caught me off guard. And then I logged into my Tesla account, and boy, my Tesla account's looking pretty cool in there right now <laughs> with the vehicles that are in it, the the, the uh, vehicles and reservations that are in it. It's starting to look like its own little car show in there. But I have to say, I don't know, the, the idea of it being in my account where I can see it even the, is, it does make me want it more in a weird way. I'm like, well, it's already in my account. Now I now I want it. So I don't know. Again, I still think the odds are are probably uh, higher that I'll never end up using it. My number will come up in a few years, and I'll probably just let it sit for a while before ultimately just refunding the hundred dollars and canceling it. But you know, I just thought again, just in case, what if this thing really is by like a clear margin? What if it is Tesla's magnum opus? What if it is this post-apocalyptic like tank that's 
hard to dent and hard to scratch and rust proof because it's stainless steel and I already, I'm already hardwired to love a stainless steel bodied vehicle. And I mean, if I did go for it, I mean, hopefully finances would permit, but I would, my f- intention would a hundred percent be to get the quad motor 500 mile version, because I figure if you're going to buy a, a, a post-apocalyptic vehicle like that, like a, like an APC from the future, you go with the maxed out version if you can with, you know, with all the horsepower, with all the range, more importantly, and, you know, zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds would be pretty sweet, too. That's quicker than my Model 3 performance is. So I don't know. You know, it's I, I know I'm I'm rambling a little long here. I'll stop. But it's it's sort of started as as half of a joke. But now I'm like even I'm into it now. And my wife was surprisingly OK with the idea of the reservation. Uh, so I, I'm uh, I'm I'm just enjoying the moment right now. And again, who knows what will happen in the future? But uh, I'm I'm now. Yeah, I'm at the back of the line, you know, whatever number two million or however many people are in the line at this point. But just get in the line and and uh, just in case. So that was my fun personal Tesla news of the week for your pro tip of the week. Let's hear from James from the Bay Area with a tip for performance Tesla owners. Hey, what up, Ryan? How's it going? James from the Bay Area here with a little uh, pro tip. Now, this is good for all Tesla owners. And um, this really might hit home with Tesla performance owners being on such a low profile tire or uh, any vehicle owner. Yeah, I thought it was common knowledge, but I guess not. Um, Yeah, you can buy the warranty for your existing tires. Um, I always go to America's Tire Company. I have a buddy that goes to discount tires. And that's right, you could drive your vehicle straight to America's Tire, go in there and say, hey, I want to buy the uh, road hazard warranty for your existing tires. You do not have to buy tires from them. Your existing tires, you can warranty them. And um, gosh, I wish we had spoke earlier. I would have told you this. That way you could have gotten it on your vehicle. So when you ran over the pothole Bluetooth tires, they will go ahead and replace them for free under the warranty. So um, I think it's a great option. You know, I know people are concerned being on low profile tires, performance owners, but even if you're on 18s or 19s or any vehicle, you can go there and buy the warranty for your existing tires. And I've been doing it for years, do it on all my cars and most recently here with this new performance I just picked up. But anyways, that's it, Ryan. Late. James, thank you very much for reminding everyone, including me, of this one. And by the way, congrats on that upgrade. Uh, For a little backstory, James and I got together for lunch a while back. Must have been a couple years ago. And James, we'll have to do it again now so I can see your new Tesla. Anyway, uh, yeah, I definitely learned about this one later than I would have liked. But guess what? That's the whole point of the Pro Tip of the Week segment. To give people the good information so that they don't miss the same opportunities that I did. I have done this on two sets of tires now. The ones that are still sitting stacked in my garage that I got after that pothole blowout that uh, you mentioned, James, from a few years ago. And I got the warranty as well on the set that came with my zero G wheels that are on my car now 
from the referral program. Uh, for me, I'm buying that extended warranty, that road hazard, not extended, the road hazard warranty from America's Tire, which I know in Arizona, where I used to live, is known as Discount Tire. It's In some states, it's America's Tire. Some states, it's Discount. I don't know if they're nationwide or what, but I definitely recommend to everyone listening, ask around at your local tire shops, particularly the big chains, to see if they offer a road hazard warranty where you can where you don't have to buy the tire from them. It was $50 per tire when I got it, which I guess would have been, yeah, two years ago. Uh, it was the last time I, I purchased it, which means that it would pay for itself if I had to replace just one tire under the policy. All, that, all it would take would be one bolt that's too big. I've had a few nails in this current set of tires. Thankfully, knock on wood, all have been able to be plugged, uh, which America's Tire does for free, which is nice. But yeah, one bolt or one nail in the wrong spot, like too close to the sidewall, and suddenly that warranty would pay for itself. So I do recommend it. Thank you again, James. Okay, let me mention some friends of the podcast before I get going. I will start, as usual, with abstractocean.com. So many excellent aftermarket Tesla accessories and not so little time because you just browse their website at your leisure whenever you do have time. <laughs> see, see what all they've got. Pile everything you like into your online shopping cart and then use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that's RTLPODCAST, all one word. They've got everything broken down by car on abstractocean.com. So just whichever Tesla you've got, for me, Model 3, I just click on Model 3. It'll show you everything they've got from the tempered glass screen protectors to the rear footwell lighting kits, etc., etc. Do take a look. It's worth poking around just to see what stuff is out there, if there's any little accessories, aftermarket things that you might be interested in. Next up, the snap plate which you can get at everyamp.com slash RTL, the front license plate bracket that I recommend rather than the one that Tesla gives you. It'll snap on and off in seconds, but when it's on, it is secure. And when it's off, it will leave no tape sticky residue behind because the one that Tesla gives you sticks on. It is. Uh, it, it makes me shudder to, th <laughs> to think about. It's like, no, don't, I don't want to tape anything to my bumper. Thank you very much. Use a snap plate instead. Get yours for any of the four Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. How about an update on Budget Safe Solar? So their little message for you is that they want you to contact them today if you have the slightest interest in installing solar on your home or business. Why today? Because tomorrow your neighborhood may have reached its circuit capacity and may not be able to handle another customer supplying the aged infrastructure until repairs are completed Years from now, don't get shut out because you thought that that unattractive roof had another year left in it. Visit them today at budgetsafesolar.com. Use the referral code RTL if you end up proceeding with an installation. And the update for me is unfortunately the scenario that my wife was fearing. And that is, so we had our uh, site survey. The guys came and took a look at the, the uh, electrical panel and then the roof. And sadly, our roof was deemed in need of replacement. So we are still proceeding with the solar installation. We have, thankfully, some home maintenance fund money set aside to, to help pay down this stuff. 
but we're going to, so our roof is 20 years old. So we knew it was like, well, it could be time. And so that's, that's why she was kind of nervous when they were up there. Uh, and we did get the bad news there, but we're going to get a new roof and we are going to proceed with our budget safe solar installation. And I will keep you updated as that project commences and moves through the process. How about Immaculate Reflections? If you are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area with your Tesla or really any car that you care about, why not treat it to a spa day? There is a discount waiting for any Ride the Lightning listener on any package, anything, any work that you would book with Immaculate Reflections. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating because you don't want to wax your car once or twice a year. Ceramic coating is next-gen waxing that lasts three to five years, and it's awesome. Water, dust, pollen, it'll bead off of the car uh, when it's wet. I have had it on mine since since the jump. In fact, uh, just to give a little extra plug for ceramic coating, my wife's car parks outside, and it has pretty much always, and I washed it for her, which... I don't often do. Usually when she wants it clean, she runs it through the automatic car wash at the gas station. Uh, that's just how she ends up doing it. But I had some time last weekend, so I gave it like a proper cleaning with all of my tools, all, all the tools, the power washer, all the stuff, the two bucket method, everything I use for my car. I had a spare wa um, washing mitt so that I could keep hers separate from mine. Anyway, uh, I will say it cleaned up Okay, but boy, it was it seriously, I'm not even like shilling for immaculate reflections here. I'm just saying it was a world of difference washing her car versus washing mine. And yes, part of that is because mine lives in the garage and hers lives outside. But just scrubbing it and getting it getting all the dirt and dust and grime off was it took way longer and was much more of a dirty job and an annoying job versus my ceramic coated car. So I'm a big fan of ceramic coating, but Immaculate Reflections also offers paint protection film, of course, which you could do over maybe just the front end of your car, maybe the the key areas like the rocker panels, bumper, and, and then the front end. Maybe you want to do the whole dang car, uh, which is what I did because I'm a crazy person. Uh, or there's also paint correction as well. Get your paint finish looking better than new. Anyway, I are detailing... I've been going on with this plug for too long. IR Detailing, not that Jeff will mind, Jeff, the owner of Immaculate Reflections, IRDetailing.com. That's his website. That's where you go to get in contact with Jeff, book in with him, and when you reach out, just mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have that Ride the Lightning discount? And he will happily give that to you. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. 49 bucks gets you the 128 gigabyte kit. It's micro SD based, so it is really the format that's designed for the constant reading and writing that dash cam and sentry mode do. So get your kit shipped free anywhere in the US, by the way. Again, puretesla.com slash RTL. And they also have wireless game controller kits as well, if you would like to have some wireless gaming in your car. Maybe you do, you know, use, use those at superchargers or waiting to pick up your kids at school or what have you. Check it out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, Jada and their excellent line of 
center console centric products headlined by the USB hub console, which is a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger and AirPod charger all in one, no tools required to install this thing, which I think is pretty great. You can get yours at getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight, and Jada is spelled J-E-D-A, and use the coupon code R-T-L for a nice discount there. Finally, this is the part of the show where I will mention the Patreon. It's the start of a new month, so uh, I will humbly ask, perhaps this is the time where you you decide to yourself, you know what, Ryan, I've been listening to the show for a while. I really like it. I appreciate what you do. I want to support you on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you'll see the different support tiers there that all have different bonuses tied to them. The higher up the tiers you go, all the bonuses stack. So the more bonuses you get. The base tier, the sport tier, sport mode, five bucks a month, and that'll get you early access to each week's show. 10 bucks a month, the ludicrous tier, will get you early access to each week's show and access to those lightning round mini episodes that I'm doing every single week now. And then the tiers go on up from there. So again, I, I humbly request, maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's next payday. If you love the show and want to support me, you can do so at patreon.com slash Podcast. You can email me anytime. The email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. I'm the same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. And I guess finally, I'll just say hello and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space to your backers. The uh, newest Plaid level backer is Ravenwolf Retrotech. Welcome aboard and thank you for that generous pledge. Along with the rest of the Plaid level crew, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, in air quotes, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. An extra big thank you to the Maximum Plaid backers, who, among other things, get invited to the monthly Zoom Hangout. In fact, the next one is happening tomorrow, which will be in the past for most of you listening to this. But uh, Saturday, first, I try to aim generally for first Saturday of the month on those. Looking forward to chatting with everybody. The Maximum Plaid backers are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, 
Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Aaron, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, Andre Ken, apologies, Andre, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, and Ken Epstein. Finally, the Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you sincerely to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacaveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. That will wrap it up for episode 370 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. Happy electric motoring, my friends. I hope you're, those of you in the United States are able to enjoy a long uh, and restful and enjoyable holiday weekend. I will be taking extra dog walks. That's my plan. I'm sure we'll have some good family plans as well. There's a ton of great TV to watch as well. There's so much good TV right now. It is the new Lord of the Rings show has just started. I've only watched the first episode and I, I don't really have an opinion of it yet other than to say the first episode, it is a gorgeous show to look at. I mean, the just bright colors, this like, it doesn't look CG to me. Like it's, boy, I mean, it's supposed to be like a, half a billion dollar budget show or something crazy like that, that Amazon spent the money. It, it sure looks like it on the screen. And I am eager to see how the, how the show goes from a story and characters perspective, which of course is most important anyway. Cause the, the Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings trilogy, still three of my favorite movies ever. I was profoundly let down by the Hobbit by Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy. Cause I felt like it was nine hours of movies that should have been one three-hour movie. Because The Hobbit's his short... It's The Hobbit is shorter than any of the Lord of the Rings books. So, and they may still made three movies out of one book. Anyway, I could talk TV for a while, but I'll stop here. It's been another long episode. Uh, maybe we'll save that for the lightning round one week, I guess. But anyway, uh, I hope all of you have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and I will see you back here for the next new episode, of course, every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. See you soon. I mean, I think a Tesla... It's the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.